we're going to continue the next few weeks wrapping up this Believe movement that we've been a part of with churches from all across this area. And for the last two weeks, and as we continue the next today and the next two weeks leading up to Easter, we are dealing with the fruit of the Spirit. We believe that for those of us that are in Christ, there ought to be some notice, a noticeable difference in us. Do you believe that? I, I really believe that, that people ought to be able to look at us as believers in Jesus Christ and see that there's something different about us. Uh, in fact, I believe that, that, that that's God's desire. I believe that that is what Jesus uh, came to do as well, is to change people and make them new. I was praying with, with Michael and Michael this morning that, that, you know what, he wants to do new things. He wants to make all things new. And he wants to make you new. And I just really believe that for those of us that have drank from the cup, that have tasted and we've seen that the Lord is good, I just really believe that there ought to be some distinguishable traits, characteristics, virtues in our lives. Amen? That's not just something I believe, but in in, in Galatians it speaks to that as well. So we've been unpacking what this fruit of the Spirit looks like. Okay, Today we're going to continue in our journey together. And I want to start this morning... By talking about hope. How can we find hope? You know, we use that word hope regularly, don't we? I hope I get the job. I hope I have the money. I hope I have enough to retire. I hope that I feel better tomorrow. I hope that this sermon doesn't stink. We, we hope a lot, don't we? We, we hope for a lot of things. And, and when we do, we, we, we use that word hope with this, there's this, this tinge, I think, of uncertainty. We, we, we aren't usually sure whether our hopes will ever be realized. I hope the situation improves. I, I, I hope those circumstances change or, or I hope that they get their act together. It's other people that need to get their act together, isn't it? I just hope for the... We use that word hope a lot. So the question I have is, what are you hoping for today? Everybody has to invent hope to live. I I believe that it is a critical survival technique. You see, a a person to me without hope is, is a person without without purpose. They're depressed, it seems like. There's just this sense of despair that they constantly live in. But, but most of us create these false senses of hope, don't we? And, and I think that there's so many people in our world today that, that are just on the verge of, of, of disappointment. They've, they've placed their hopes in things that, well, they're just fleeting. They're, they're fading. So where do you find hope today? Where do you find hope when you don't get the job? Where do you find hope when you don't have the money? Where where do you find hope when that person doesn't get better? Where where do you find hope when, when he doesn't change? Where do you find hope when, when the situation stinks? Where do you find hope when the outlook is, is dim? Where do you find hope when that diagnosis is grim? Or what about when you're all alone and you're afraid? Where do you find hope? 
how can I deal with all of these hardships? How can we deal with the struggles of life? I'm so thankful for God's word, aren't you? Because it speaks to these very issues that we face. How many of you believe that the Bible is still valid for our lives today? It is, amen? And it is filled with the answers to all of the questions that we find ourselves asking time and time again. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 and 19, the word of the Lord says this. So God has given both his promise and his oath. What has God given us? A promise and an oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge. I love the verse in, in the Bible. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. They're safe. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great what, church? Confidence. Or we like to say, Godfidence. As we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy what? Anchor for our souls. You see, in all the storms of life, I can cope with with hardships and the struggles of life and even death because I have a great anchor. I have an anchor that is keeping me from sinking when the wind and the waves begin to beat against me when they rise and 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 try to devour me i have an anchor for my soul is anybody with me and so i may feel helpless sometimes but i'm not hopeless let me say that again i may feel helpless but i'm not hopeless you see no matter what life may hand me, no matter what it deals me, no matter what does or doesn't happen to me, no matter who likes me or or doesn't like me, I can have hope because my hope is not dependent on my income, my health, my situation, my circumstances, or other people. I have hope. You know, when the Apostle Paul wrote what we now refer to as his first epistle, he was writing it to a group of people who who were both God's elect, but they were also exiles scattered. If there ever was a tribe uh, of people that... Excuse me, that, that, that needed better circumstances or that longed for, for a better outcome. If there ever was a, a, a group of people that needed hope, Peter's audience that he wrote to in the book of 1 Peter certainly needed it. And so the apostle offered them this encouragement in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning of verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy. That we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Why do we live with great expectation? Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Is anybody thankful for that very truth today? 
And so we have a priceless inheritance. We have an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. It is pure and undefiled. It is beyond the reach of change and decay. Now, Peter here doesn't assure these people, these exiles, these God-scattered people. He's not assuring them that their persecution will die down soon. He's not. He's not claiming here as he's writing to them that that God will... will, He's not even claiming that God's going to reward your faithfulness in in suffering with with health and wealth and influence. He's not promising them that. He's not painting a picture for them of the day when, 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 when Christianity becomes the official religion of the empire. That's not what he's doing. Why? Why isn't he doing that? Because Peter knows better. You see, Peter knew what happened to his friend John the Baptist. Peter saw Jesus and he saw Stephen in the hands of angry mobs. He, he, Peter himself lived, lived as, as an exile, both as a Jew and, and even as a Christian. And according even to John's gospel, Peter or, or Jesus even warned Peter about the kind of death that he would experience. And so no, Peter doesn't sing his readers, his first century readers, some sort of adaption of tomorrow by Annie. He doesn't sing them that song here. But instead what Peter does is, is he holds out to them a living hope. A living hope that is mediated by a resurrection that trumped the worst of circumstances. Which is connected to to a shared inheritance that is altogether impervious to the circumstances of his audience. You see today church you need to know something. Hope says that God has not abandoned us in the world He pursues us. He dwells in us. He intervenes for us. And make no mistake about it, he will not forget us. And so right now, your world may seem dark and dismal, and it may seem hopeless. Oh, you just hang on because God is still on his throne, and he's still with us in the midst of it. Now listen, don't think that I'm saying that it's somehow wrong to to hope for healing or it's somehow wrong to hope for peace or success. I'm not saying that today. But what we hope for should always be second to what we hope in and who we hope in. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And that is where our hope rests. Are you with me today? So you see, when the Apostle Paul here suffered his, his or wrote these words, he, 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 he knew what lies before him. And when Paul suffered this, his infamous thorn in the flesh, make no mistake about it, he pleaded with the Lord to take it away. He did. In, in other words, Paul, he hoped for relief. Paul hoped for better circumstances But ultimately, he hoped in the Lord. And in that instance, Paul or God did not take away Paul's thorn in the flesh. Rather, he gave the suffering apostle himself. He gave Paul grace. He gave Paul power. And he gave Paul his presence. And can I tell you, that was sufficient. 
As Christians, we may or may not receive what we hope for. But the one we hope in stands ready to give of himself instead. What are you hoping in today? What are you hoping for? The first Christians, they held tightly to an anchor as their symbol of hope during that period of of Roman persecution during the first century. Christians, we know, were, were, were being thrown to the lions in arenas for entertainment. Christians were being burned at the stake. Christians were being crucified. Christians were even being sawed in half. Where would they possibly find encouragement? Where would they find strength? Where would they find hope in the midst of this horrible persecution? Surprisingly, it was not in the cross. That was the symbol of excruciating, shameful death. That was like a noose or or, or an electric chair today. So that was, a not very, that was not a very hopeful symbol. And so the early Christians clung to this symbol of hope that we read about in Hebrews. The hope is a strong, trustworthy anchor for our souls. An anchor. Hey, would you agree with me that we haven't really been persecuted for our faith? Oh, sure, people may... Talk trash on social media. People might, you know, question you about why you do this or why you go or why you say, why is the white cross in front of your house this time of the year? You know, why would you guys? People may, but listen, let's just be, we, we have not quite been persecuted for our faith, have we? We, we haven't really suffered like the Christians that I just described to you in the first century. Or, or, or even Christians that are in other areas uh, of the world today. I, I see my friend Greg Lewis here, one of the missionaries that you support through your faithful giving of your tithes here at 1910. And, 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 Greg and, and Greg and I have been in locations where Christians have been persecuted for their faith. But let's just face it, we, we've, not, we've not really faced the type of, 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 of persecution that, that, that other Christians have faced even today or even in the first century. We've not but we might, we might. And although you not, may not find yourself being burned at the stake or sawed in half or thrown in, into uh, an arena of lions to, to serve as entertainment for other people watching, you do and might possibly be facing some sort of persecution. There might be some form of opposition Against you, I, I love what Bishop T.D. Jakes said years ago to me when I was just starting out in, 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 in this church. And, and, and I'll never forget something. He said, listen, he said, uh, if you're not offending someone, you ain't preaching. Because the gospel is offensive. Now, I would never purposefully out of just as a human try to offend you. But let's just be honest. Sometimes what we present and what we share through God's word is offensive to some people, isn't it? So the problem's not with the word of God, but it's, it's with them. But, but you might be finding yourself today in, some, in, in the midst of some form uh, of opposition. You, you might be facing some sort of, there might be something looming for us as the church. 
And I really do believe that in the end times that it's going to become increasingly more and more difficult for us. I do believe what what Pastor Chach read to us today over John chapter 16 that Jesus said so many years ago. Hey, listen, in this world, we will have trouble. And I believe that in the end times, it's going to become increasingly more and more difficult. It's going to be more and more important for us as the church to know where our hope rests. It is going to be so important that we cling to this anchor that we have for our souls. You see, listen, no matter what happens today, no matter what you're going through or how you're feeling, you can anchor deep, holding on to a hope for tomorrow. Are you with me today, church? Hope. Where are you placing your hope today? For those of you right now and your life is just stormy and tumultuous, where are you anchoring? Who or what are you anchoring to? Is it your friends? I'm telling you, they're flimsy. Is it to your status or your stuff or your possessions? I'm telling you, that is wood, hay, and stubble. Where are you anchored What are you holding on to as the storms of life batter against you? I'm telling you, your only hope is in Jesus and what he's done on the cross for us. Amen. There is an anchor for my soul. Ah, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You will have trouble. But you anchor down to me. You hold on to me because I have overcome. Listen, if you already know who the victor is, why not just give him your life right now and just trust in him? Come on. We know that. (sighs) Hope. Let's shift gears and talk about patience. And I want to get through this real quickly so that we can get home. Let's talk about patience. Now, I know that many of you can relate to hope, and this portion of patience is not for you, but just flatter me because I studied and I need to share it, okay? (laughs) Just that word patience, just mentioning the word patience is a reminder to, to most of us that we've not yet arrived, have we? I don't care who you are. I, I, I know that, 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 that sometimes you struggle with being patient. It, it doesn't matter if, if, if you're a kid. It doesn't matter if you're a senior adult. It, it, it doesn't matter if, 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 if you own a lot or have nothing. It doesn't matter if you're employed or unemployed, single or It just doesn't matter. I'm telling you, there are times when all of us <clears throat> struggle with patience, correct? My guess is most of us are better with impatience than patience aren't we? We've mastered that. The problem is, when you read Galatians 5, that is, impatience is not one of the virtues that the Holy Spirit produces in us. He wants to produce patience. It's hard for us. Anybody struggle with it? We live in such a microwave age, don't we? We, 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 we have microwaves that cook our meals for us. Or we have fast food restaurants 
right? We, we want the fastest internet connection possible. You don't want the dial-up, the monkey in the closet trying to crank it out for you. I remember when we built this building and we, couldn't, we didn't have high-speed internet. There wasn't fiber optics on this side of 1376. It was over there, but it wasn't over here. And so we did this thing called HughesNet satellite. And I'm telling you, there was more cussing in a pastoral staff I've ever seen before in the history of the church. Just, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I got to download the new Bieber CD and I just can't get on the dial up, you know? Ah, those guys are horrible. We paid. We, we trenched across 1376 so that we could have high-speed internet service. All the neighbors on this side of the highway love us now because we brought it to, to the, the west side of 1370. West side, represent, you know. So they love us. We, 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 we download music. We download movies versus going to buy the CDs or even renting the DVDs. Ah, who does that anymore, right? Where have the days of Blockbuster gone? <clears throat> Bring back the VHS, amen? <clears throat> How many of you still have VHS in your home? Let me see. Thank you. There you go. It's good. Patience. Patience. I looked it up in the dictionary because I think I probably struggle with it. Patience is this. It's the capacity. <clears throat> it's the capacity to accept or tolerate delay or trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. Wow. Now who struggles with this? I was reading a statistic that, that running red lights in America is about a $6 million to $7 million habit in America. And, and, and their statistics have shown that it only saves you about 50 seconds of your life when you run a red light. Interesting. Patience. We struggle with it. We want to get there, and we want to get there now and fast, and we want, we, we, I think so many of it, we kind of expect a, like a parting of a Red Sea. Come on, God. You did it for the Old Testament people of Israel. Come on. Surely you can, can clear a path to San Antonio so I can, you know, get to the Spurs game on time. Patience. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay or trouble or suffering. Ooh, without getting angry or upset. How many people know that I have a word for somebody next to you this morning? Raise your hand. They need this. I see that hand right there. The wisest man who ever lived said this. No, it wasn't Fred G. Sanford. It was, it was a man by the name of Solomon. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29. In the NIV, it says this. Whoever is patient has great understanding. But one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Whoever is patient has great understanding. But one who is quick-tempered displays folly. If, 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 Solomon, if King Solomon from this verse could just kind of give us a, a simple equation, he, he would say patience equals wisdom. Patience equals wisdom. Impatience equals foolishness. 
Patience equals wisdom. Impatience equals foolishness. So where can we possibly look to? Or, or, or how is it even possible for someone to display this virtue called patience? Where, where do we get this, this rare resource called patience? It, it always seems to be in short supply, doesn't it? How does God provide this help I need to deal with? With stress. Let me share with you real quickly three things because I know that you guys want to get out of here. First of all, we can look to his example. God provides us the help we need by his example. Let me remind you. You remember God is patient with you, right? God has been extremely patient with you. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Ooh, that verse hurts me when I'm sitting there going, Lord, would you please just come back right now? Because I want you to, Lord. Lord, I'm ready. Lord, please deliver me. I I don't know how many times I've... I've, Lord, I I don't want my grandkids to continue to suffer in the world that I see spiraling downward. Lord, would you just please take us all home now? And even saying that, it's all about me, isn't it? And I have to be reminded that, hey, you know what? He, He wants everyone to have an opportunity to repent. He didn't come just to save you and your family, Jay Brown. No, he came for the whole world. And and he reminds me, hey, listen, I've been patient with you, Brown, and it hasn't been easy, but I've been patient with you. Listen, God doesn't jump all over you when you make a mistake. He doesn't give up on you when you ignore him or when you walk away or, or when you intentionally defy him. Listen, he's not disappointed with you when you drop the ball. Rather, you know what he does? He waits. He waits patiently for you to repent. He waits patiently for you to ask for help. And he's waiting patiently for us to return to him. And so how how does God provide the help I need? I just need to remember, first of all, his example and how he treats me. Secondly, he, he helps me. He provides what I need to deal with the stress of life by empowerment. Empowerment. Now, like all of these virtues that we've been discussing, patience is something that God produces in us. Who produces patience? God produces it over time in us as we continually submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit's leading. Let's go back and look at Galatians 5, 22. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces. Who produces it? The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. You see, all of these things listed here in Galatians 5, you can't do. You can't produce this kind of fruit. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to work and produce this kind of fruit in you. This is not about you working harder or going more or giving more or knowing more or or raising your hands during the singing. It's not about those things. This is about you allowing the Holy Spirit to have full control of your life. 
It's about surrender. It's about submission. You can't produce this fruit. We need God, the empowerment that he provides to produce this in us. You see, as we let God refine us, he gives us, he gives us the strength to persevere. He gives us the strength and the perspective that we need to see life through his eyes and not just our own eyes. Because in our view, everything's urgent, isn't it? Everything should operate as I think it should operate. James 1.3 says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. This virtue, patience, it's, it's, it's kind of like a fine wine. It is slow-aged to maturity. It, 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 it takes time. It, it takes patience to produce patience. It takes patience to produce patience. So how does God provide the help I need to deal with the stress? Not only through his example and reminding me of how he handles me, not only through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit at work in my life, and it takes time, but also by encouragement. Encouragement. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Listen, we all have an idea of what should happen, when it should happen, and how it should happen, right? We, we, we have that figured out. And if everybody else would just operate in, under our time frame and do it the way that we want, man, wouldn't life just be a lot easier? But, but rarely do our ideas ever match up with someone else's ideas, right? We live in a society that, that demands my way right away. <laughs> We are conditioned to believe that we should never have to wait on anyone for anything. All in all, what we're saying is, is my time is more important than yours. And I want it right now. And you just need to drop it. And I'm so, so guilty of this. I am. My staff over there right now is going, you are, you're a sinner, you're horrible and you stink and ugh. it's all right. But patience is different. You see, patience demands that we sacrifice the self-importance of our own personal agendas for the sake of others. Listen, it's, and it's not just for the sake of others, but listen, you need to sacrifice your own personal agenda for the sake of your own soul. So some of you guys are killing yourself because of impatience. And, and you're, you're, you, you are unhealthy physically. You, you, you have destroyed relationships because of this. And so, so, so being patient is, is not just me sacrificing the self-importance of my own personal agenda just for my sake or for the sake of others, but also for my own soul. Listen, we can encourage patience by, by giving other people room. Say room. 
We, we, we can encourage patience by, by giving other people room to fail. Giving, giving people room to, to learn. G- giving people room to, to develop at, at their own pace instead of demanding our own schedule. Instead of being so demanding of, of the timing and, 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 and the outcomes that we desire. Just, just giving people room. I, I, I love what I heard several months ago, and it, it changed the way I think. You win some and you learn some. You never lose. But for so, so many of us, we're like, no, it's about winning or losing. It, it is when it comes to kids' sports, right? Remember that, right? <laughs> Winners and losers, right? Um, but, but you win some and you learn some. It's okay. Let's give people room to make mistakes. Does Jesus not give us room to do so? He doesn't want us to, but aren't you so thankful that he's patient with us and doesn't just destroy us whenever we let him down? None of us would be here this week if that were the case. What kind of church would this place be like if patience was more prevalent here? In the parking lot? With your kids, starting or ending, some of you right now, but you better get over right now. Just Dave's walked out on stage. That's my cue that it's time to wrap it up. They're so impatient. I'm trying to be led by the Spirit right now, but Dave's out here. Just kidding. Hey, what if patience became a greater virtue in your How would that change your, your home? Whoa. The climate and the, the atmosphere in some of our homes might change if, if, if this thing called patience were a little bit more present, right? But what, what about at work? What, what, what if, what if you, 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 you just allowed the Holy Spirit to produce this virtue in your life in such a way that when you went to work, man, you were just... See, I believe it can happen. But for some of you, would that not be a game changer? Some of you, your reputation might change in the workplace if, if this were just something right here that, that you allowed God to do in you to help develop. Imagine. Imagine how things might change. <clears throat> Let me just kind of remind you as we wrap this up because Dave's here and he's playing the keyboard. <clears throat> we usually want the quickest results. But God wants the best results. We we usually want the quickest. But God wants the best. And I'm so thankful that he's a patient God. I'm so thankful that he's patient with me. But I'm also so thankful that he's patient with, with the world. Listen, there's probably no one else whose heart grieves most than God's heart when he looks down and he sees what's happening to his creation you know he made this right he created all things and I know that his heart must probably break and hurt the most over the plight of our world but yet he's patient 
He continues to love and forgive. He still continues to offer time. He, he still continues to offer grace and mercy. Aren't you thankful that God's grace and mercy never run out, that his love is never ending? Aren't you thankful for that? And that might be a word for someone here this morning. In fact, <clears throat> you might be the very reason why God hasn't come back yet. the trumpet in heaven and the return of the Lord and we sang about that today he shall return in robes of white right and we will be taken you might be the very reason that he's not come back yet still giving you an opportunity to say yes to his son Jesus is that you today where are you placing your hope you see, we talked last week about joy is a person. His name is Jesus. But I'm telling you, hope is an anchor for our souls. And it's because of the work of Jesus on the cross. Where are you placing your hope? Thankful for a patient God. And maybe you should be as well that he's just waiting, giving you an opportunity to repent and return to him. Is that you today? You see, that's kind of the final thing that I want us to do today is to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. To repent and say, you know what, Lord, I, I, I've been looking into so many other things in life for, for hope and, and I've been tr- attached to so many things, but it's just, it doesn't help when the storms come. So today I'm saying yes to this person, Jesus. If that's you today, I'd love for you to come. In just a moment as I pray. Would you stand with me right now? And I'm going to ask our prayer and ministry team to make themselves available down front. And I'm going to pray and dismiss us. And if today you would say, I need this anchor. I need this hope. I need Jesus in my life. I want you to run to the front and tell one of my friends down here. Or maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I need some encouragement over something I'm facing. There is a storm, and I'm telling you, it's beating me down. And I just need somebody to breathe life and encouragement into me. That's why we're here today. And so when I pray and say you're dismissed, as people are leaving for the exits, you come to the front and say yes to Jesus. Father, thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus and his work on the cross. The hope that we have is not on anything that we can do. It's not based on our effort. It's not based on our status. It's not based on our attendance. It's not based on relationships. No, the only true hope that we have is based on Jesus and what he's done on the cross. And Lord, I'm praying today for that person in this room that needs the hope that you offer. Lord, I want to thank you for being a patient God. You've put up with our waywardness. You've put up with us making mistakes. You've, you've, You've put up with us. You've been a great example. Lord, I pray that right now your Holy Spirit would draw someone, would draw someone to you. They would say yes to Jesus. Father, be with us as we leave this place today and let us display this virtue the fruit of patience this week and may it change the climate 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.